Well, hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast. And welcome to the first in another series of shorts. In this series, we're going to be considering mission in the modern age. We'll be looking at contextualization, effective use of digital media, and mission empowered by the spirit. We'll be sharing short episodes that engage with each of those subjects. For today's podcast, I had the privilege of connecting briefly with Donny Griggs about what I think is a really important subject. The topic of our conversation was small town Jesus, and it was all about how to build churches and pastor churches and reach out to our communities, specifically in small towns, which is of interest to us, given how many small towns there are in the UK and in Europe and in many of the countries that we're connected with as a family of churches. Just by way of statistics, let me throw some of this out there. Of all towns in the Netherlands and in Scotland, 70% of those towns have populations of 20,000 people or less. In France and Germany, that number is 87%. And in South Africa, Brazil and England, it's 90%. 90% of towns in England, South Africa and Brazil have 20,000 people or less in them. We are nations largely of small towns. To be more specific about it, England has 7,300 towns and cities. And of those towns and cities, only 411 of them are larger than 20,000 people in population size. We are nations made up of small towns. So the question has to be, how do we plant, pastor and build churches in small towns? And that's what we talked about. To introduce Donnie properly, Donnie Griggs is the lead pastor of One Harbour Church, a multi-location congregation in the small town of Moorhead City, North Carolina. Moorhead City has a population of approximately 9,500 people, according to Wikipedia. And so one of Donnie's main passions in life is to see churches in small towns and rural areas equipped and empowered to radically engage with culture and to make disciples. Donnie's the author of Small Town Jesus, along with the newly released book, Pastoring Small Towns. He also serves on the leadership team of the Advanced Movement of Churches, part of New Frontiers. I'll hand over to my conversation with Donnie and then afterwards I'm going to share with you some of the questions and suggestions from his book Small Town Jesus about how to plant churches in small towns so do stick around for that if this is a subject that interests you and much of what he writes and what I have to share is just good advice on how to live as effective missionaries in our community so stick around for that for now over to my conversation with Donnie enjoy hey man great to be here the heck of an introduction. Huh? It's, it's always funny. I don't know, like, <laughs> am I going to be able to live up to all that? I'm sure you will. Now, listen, I, I saw from uh, your church report, I saw on your website, that last year you had around 90 baptisms across your sites, your multi-location congregations. Um, and across your sites, it seems that you your attendance is almost 2,000 people in, in number, which in a town of 9,500 people in population... That's something. I mean, that must mean your, your church must be pretty influential in the town. I mean, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. It, um, so, you know, it was funny. We, we had um, a friend from England who has been out here volunteering the last couple of months who um, we took to the airport yesterday to fly back to the motherland. And she was actually asking lots of questions about 
um, the, the origin of One Harbor and like, you know, it was just the church and, you know, going back and kind of revisiting those stories. I mean, you know, my wife, Jill and I, we, we, um, I'm from this town. We, but I was living, I'd moved away for about 10 years. We moved back here to plant One Harbor, um, in January of, of, uh, 2009. So it'd be 15 years uh, in January. And, you know, when we showed up to a handful of friends um, and we had no money, uh, we didn't have a building, we didn't have jobs, we didn't even have a home, we were going to live upstairs. Um, I mean, it was just so, um, you know, we flipped our car on the drive out here and rolled down in, in a ditch and landed upside down. And so we, you know, we showed up in a rental car uh, on a Friday and started church on Sunday in a living room. Um, and to, to kind of think back on those early days, you know, we didn't sign up for like, go plant a church that was going to be really big. We just, we just wanted to, we just said yes to plant a church. We just said yes to Jesus. And, um, and so all of this is a lot more than we had ever imagined. Um, I mean, those numbers are a little like it's it's still it's significant, right? But like the kind of two thousand or whatever on a Sunday, obviously, is spread across four sites, and so it's not just the one town. Um, but but still, I mean, you know, it it can tend to sort of be you know um, near on ten percent of the population, um, kind of quote unquote, you know, which is a lot. Um, so it, is, it does it is a lot of a lot of influence. Um, which comes with, you know, a lot of opportunity, but also a lot of responsibility, you know, and can make date night kind of a, a bummer because I mean, just on a practical <laughs> note, I do feel like we're like, you know, already small town ministry. You do feel like you're in a, in a fishbowl already. We really feel it. And, um, it just feels like every, everywhere we turn, we, we know people, which is, I think a, a real blessing and also sometimes a, a bit of a struggle, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll come, we'll jump straight into talking about some of the the small town mindset. So, because you wrote you wrote the book Small Town Jesus um, about your experience of small towns, your reflections on doing ministry in small towns, your experience with One Harbor Church, and what God's taught you there. Which uh, I read it several years ago, loved it. Um, did a sermon series based off of it. Um, just think it's superb, and I really want to talk about it because. This is one of the things that in in circles like ours, certainly the Keller era of circles like ours, there's a big emphasis uh, on going to cities, planting churches in cities, rightly so, importantly so. But some statistics for those of us in new ground, specifically our sphere of churches, we are nations predominantly made up of small towns. Which means if we're going to reach the majority of people in our countries, we have to learn how to do ministry and build churches in small towns. So talk to us a little bit about your love for small towns, your reflections on doing church and ministry in small towns, and we'll, we'll see where we go. Yeah, sure. I mean, gosh, there's so much to, to say off of what you just said. Um, I mean, even the Keller stuff, you know, unfortunately, um, and not that he was not beating the drum of urban centrality. He certainly was. I mean, he wrote Center Church. He, you know, but like, uh, Colin Hansen um, partnered with Tim Keller to write this recent kind of biography of, of Keller's life. Um, if you've had a chance to, to read it, it is it is so incredible. And Colin's a good friend. In fact, Colin did the forward for my last book. I covered a, a book called Pastoring Small Towns, um, which was more like a sort of a follow up um, uh, on Small Town Jesus. It's more for like pastoring small towns was aimed at people who are in the town doing the ministry. Like how, what does it look like to like love and lead like Jesus, um, in a small town? Um, 
But Colin, um, he, he wrote this book with Keller on this biography, and, and a whole chapter in there is, de- is dedicated to a small town uh, where, where Keller first pastored. Um, it was the, this tiny little town in, in rural Virginia. It was the chemical, um, the chemical capital, capital of the South. So just blue-collar, um, super poor, working-class people. And that's where Keller learned how to pastor. And and, and I was so ministered to by that chapter because it, it was clearly, he clearly loved these people. He's clearly, you know, like honored them. And anyway, um, but so, so he even had this kind of this history of small town rural ministry, but, you know, obviously became most famous for what he was doing in, in Manhattan and, and beyond through Redeemer. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I, I think I did come up in that era of church planting where it felt like if you wanted to count for Jesus, you had to go to big cities, um, and so that's the only thing I thought about or, or even prayed about was big cities around the world and, you know, which ones needed churches. And, and, and you know, when we ended up getting called to plant One Harbor, I didn't realize this, but for the first year and a half, I felt this subtle sense of like guilt and shame. Um, and it was like against the backdrop of One Harbor grew like crazy. Like it was, it was amazing. We were baptizing dozens of people. Like it was unbelievable. Um, I mean, we had we had Sundays where we met in this little gas station for that first year, where um, the rule was if you were married, your wife had to sit on your lap. And we would tell single guys, if you are single and don't want to be, give up your seat for a lady. I mean, people were packed on the you know against the walls, <laughs> sitting in the floors. I mean, it was all this was happening, and yet I was feeling this like undercurrent of guilt and shame that I couldn't really put my finger on. And one day it hit me, I felt like Jesus had benched me. If you're familiar with that term, you know, like in sports, like, you know, I felt like, hey, if I was clearly supposed to be like a key player in the kingdom, I would have been in a city. All my friends were in big cities, you know, um, Singapore, uh, South Africa, you know, like in Joburg, London, Cape Town, Houston, you know, L.A., like New York. Um, all my all my friends were in like these big cities. And here I was and I just felt like it was this like kind of passive aggressive way of God telling me that he's benched me. And I, man, that was like, that was hard to like reckon with, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. clearly God was at work, but then I felt this, but like, so where was that coming from? What wasn't coming from the Lord? It was coming from kind of evangelical culture, you know? Um, And so that sort of led me on a journey of like, man, what does Jesus actually say about small town ministry? Um, And, and, you know, I ended up, you know, kind of fast forward, I ended up getting to give a talk at an Acts 29 conference um, they asked me to speak on why do ministry in small towns? And, um, you know, ironically, I, I spoke in the morning and then a, a friend of mine who led a church in a big city, he spoke that, that afternoon. He hadn't been there for the morning when I spoke, but, but he got up and gave his talk and literally his opening words were, he said, you know, I know some of you guys are in small towns, but let's just face it. You know, what God's doing, he's doing in cities. That was his opening words to his talk. <laughs> And as he said that, a guy from the back leaned forward and tapped on my shoulder and said, hey, man, you need to write a book on this. Like, mm. this is clearly what people believe. Like, they clearly believe that that all that God's doing, he's doing in the cities. And so that's kind of where this whole thing started. Like, man, we need to, without like dishonoring like urban ministry or even suburban ministry, we need to actually like reckon with what is what did Jesus actually do and what does Jesus actually say and what do small towns actually need, you know? And so... I don't know, man. That's kind of how the whole thing started. Mm. No, it's really good. I mean, I think you quote in your book, is it from um, the New York Tribune, 
that God made the country, man made cities and devil made the small towns. That there is this kind of prevailing attitude towards, you know, it's this kind of backward place we've got to escape from to civilize ourselves and, you know, produce things and become important and powerful. And for that, it's cities. And yet, again, I love this. Um, you quote in your book that Bethlehem was likely a town with a population of 300. Jesus lived in Nazareth, which was a town with a population of likely 500. And if you look, certainly if you look at Mark's gospel, it really draws this out, that Jesus spent 30 of his 33 years just ministering around and living around Nazareth. So Jesus was a small town man ministering in small town places. And it was when he went to the city that they killed him. <laughs> so it just it flips the whole narrative on its head. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, later, kind of subsequently after I, I wrote the book, I came across this quote by N.T. Wright where, you know, he, he says that effectively, it's like Jesus went out of his way to avoid certain cities, which is, it's totally different than what we would imagine. I mean, Jesus avoids Rome. He, avo he avoids like these major, he avoids major cities that we would have thought, man, if you've got like only a couple of years and you want to make a difference, you know, the whole trickle down effect of like, you need to go to the city because if the city, you know, here's the gospel, then it's going to get passed down. I mean, I, I remember um, I spoke at a, at a church um, in California a few, some years ago. And a guy came up to me and said, Oh, you're from a small town. He's like, you know, we just learned about that in Bible college this week about small town ministry. I was like, no way. That's great. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our professor was telling us that like, you know, it's good that like, cause, cause like what happens, he said, our professor said like, you know, um, people from small towns move to big cities and some of those people, they end up going to churches and some of those, they end up becoming Christians and some of those people might end up becoming pastors and some of those people might end up moving back to their small towns and some of those people might end up planning a church. And he's like, so that's good news. I was like, dude, that, that can't be plan A. Like that is, but like, that's the philosophy. It's like, it's like fingers crossed. Some of the people who go to the big cities will one day take the gospel back to their small towns. I mean, I think that was like people's understanding that like, if you focus on the cities, like it would trickle down to small towns. And it's like, it's, it's so wrong on so many levels. I mean, not, not to mention how long that would actually take to play out, but like it, it, it's, it, I think it puts a kind of priority on people that like, we don't see, I mean, we see, I think we see Jesus taking people everywhere seriously, taking their problems everywhere seriously. And I think that's all that I've really been able to, you know, been trying to say in that is like people everywhere deserve to be taken seriously everywhere people are facing darkness that only the light of the gospel can solve. Everywhere people are facing problems that only Jesus, only Jesus can meet those needs. Like that's everywhere. Those. And, and so even like I, I, I've done a lot of stuff since the, you know, the first book came out, like it's seminaries and all kinds of, you know, cool things. And I know some of these people, they're going to end up, their denomination or network is not going to let them start in a big city they're going to make them go cut their teeth in some little town. And I'm guessing it's probably the case in, you know, in, um, in the UK as well. Um, but like, even there, like treating people in a small town, like it's a stepping stone. Like it, it's, man, I, I cannot, I cannot see that anywhere in the ministry of Jesus, you know, um, everywhere, like everybody he interacted with, like he was, he was present with them. Um, he was aware of their needs. He cared for them, you know, and, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, we don't have time to kind of run down all these. Yeah, it does just kind of smack of a worldly value system that has a, a, a worldly attitude and approach towards what success looks like than a, than a biblically informed one. Um, 
So talk to us a bit about then some of the unique qualities and challenges around ministry in small towns um, and perhaps some comments and advice on how to be a good local in your small town. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously spent a lot of time spelling that out in this book and and um, in the, the second one. Um, and so so I won't be able to say everything on, on that. But like, yeah, I think I think I would start with you've got to love that town. I think that's the thing. Like people can tell when you don't love them. You know, going back to Keller um, and uh, Colin Hansen in that that book, there was this great quote, um, and uh, I was I was so ministered to by this, where it, um, they they talk about when Tim Keller celebrated twenty five years in the PCA denomination, he was brought back to Virginia to this little church in this little town. Um, so he's now a big superstar in New York and best-selling author and just a massive, I mean, he was an absolute giant of the faith. And I, I, I'm so much the pastor and the leader I am because of, you know, learning indirectly from him. So anyway, but he comes back to this little town 25 years later and they throw a party for him and, uh, and, and they interviewed people for this book Colin uh, did, uh, who were at that party and they said not a single person mentioned any of his books or any of the quotes from any of his sermons. Like, no one cared. You know, like, I, I, I met Keller one time at a gospel coalition. And I have this image in my head, like, people lining up for him to, like, sign their Bibles or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> he was just disgusted by the whole thing. But, like, people were, they just wanted to, like, touch the hem of his garment, you know? He goes back to this little town. He's this big shot now in New York. He goes back to this little town. And it's, and, and like, they, inter- they interview they interviewed these people and they said, no one mentioned any of that. They said all that they did was they shared stories of how he had like cared for them, how he'd like met them in the hospital when their loved one was sick, how he had like, like, that's the thing. It's like, I think small towns, like people, they, they, that's what they want. They want, they'll like, I mean, kind of the lesson there obviously is like, they'll, they'll listen to you if they know you care for them. You know, um, I think that is that is like core. That is like fundamental. Is you have to actually love the town. And so many of the people, you know, that that's what's sickening, you know, and kind of like wrong with that like obsession with urban centralities. Guys go do ministry in, in small towns, but it's like being married to someone with your eye on someone else. People can tell, mm-hmm. you know. And you even see guys try to try to do ministry in a small town like they're in a big city, you know. It's just clear it's clear that they want to be somewhere else. They want to be with someone else. And and so I think that's like mm-hmm foundational is like tapping into this, like love for the people, love for the place. Um, and so that, that, I think that is ground zero. Um, I I think beyond that, you know, it's, it's learning to, um, care for the town like Jesus would, you know, it's, it's getting the eyes of the compassionate eyes of Jesus for, for these people, you know, um, not trying to fix them, you know, but wanting to like, lovingly lead them, you know, knowing that's going to take time. You know, these guys up, up in uh, the New England area um, that I've, I've connected with who do a bunch of cool uh, rural ministry up there, you know, they talk about a hundred year vision, which I love. They talk about how like, hey, w- you know, we know that that like reaching rural New England is going to it's going to take at least a hundred years to plant, you know, a, a bunch of churches and, they, and they're okay with that. They're okay with laboring in a field that they know they'll never see the harvest. And I, I think that's like that slowness, that patience, that like, that going, hey, I'm, we're going to like compassionate, like compassion with compassion, with empathy, 
we're going to step into this 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 you know this community and you know we're going to lead them like that that there's just such a different way of leading you know um when you, when you think about those kinds of things and i think just that kind of goes into like where is the areas of brokenness and sadness i mean certainly in america and i mean i've spent a, a lot of time in the uk i know there's a lot of similarities but i mean addiction depression um, these things can be just massive, like massive. And I mean, in America, it's worse. Those statistics are worse than in the cities. Um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you know, we're dealing with such an epidemic, um, with, you know, with heroin, with fentanyl. And I mean, I've gone to as many as I serve as a chaplain for our community too. And so I, I respond to a lot of EMS calls and stuff. And, um, I've been to as many as four or five, you know, heroin overdoses in a day, just in our little town. Um, so you've got this like hopelessness, this sadness. I mean, I think to be a good missionary means to step into that, you know, and to um, not just want to see good Sundays and good Wednesday nights, but want to see like darkness push back, you know. Um, and, and and so so it's just those kinds of things. It's like stepping into that story and, and going, okay, I want to love these people and I want to I want to lead these people to Jesus and I want to I want to see. You know, I want to see the hope of the gospel permeate down into like the darkest, saddest parts of, of the community. And um, so that's just kind of surface level. I mean, you can talk about contextualization, you can talk about all kinds of stuff, which I've, I've spelled out more in, in the books. But I think if, I'm, if I just had a couple minutes, I would say those are to me central. Mm. Oh, it's so good. I mean, you talk in, in the book, I remember making a big impression on me when I read it. But you talk about the idea of being an informal mayor in your town known as someone who's familiar to the, the town, loves the town, respected by people in the town. Um, just in, in a brief amount of time we got left, what some of the practical tools and tips for um, gaining some level of positive reputation and familiarity with people in the town? Yeah. Well, I'll say, you know, that's totally true. And it's only been more true uh, for me, but, you know, by God's grace. I mean, just a few minutes ago, uh, a member from the sheriff's department called me to tell me about a guy who's really struggling and somebody called him and he thought, Hey, we should call one Harbor and see if they can help. And so that's happening all the time. Um, I was really thankful for, I definitely come from a kind of a real broken family system. And so what I've learned through the years, um, you know, especially in the last six months or a year or so is how, how much my childhood kind of sadness and brokenness led to me over functioning in a lot of ways. And so I, I would say I, if I could go back and do it over, I would have, I would have tried to, to maybe be a little s- slower with some things and, um, and, and, uh, and, and not look, I think I was secretly getting my identity from some of this stuff from being needed by the, by the community. So I'm just saying that out loud as a, a caution, a, you know, a word of caution. I think it can be addicting to be needed, um, and to be helpful. Um, um, I mean, Jesus talks in Matthew 23 about how, you know, the uh, the Pharisees, he says, woe to them that, you know, they love for people to come up and tell them like, you know, you're the rabbi and they love that. They love that attention. And, you know, I, I think, gosh, man, that is so, that is probably would take you forever to get to that. I mean, I know some guys who lead great churches, I mean, you know, in the London area and they're probably never going to get recognized. I mean, Steve, Steve Tibbert was out here a few weeks ago and, you know, uh, at One Harbor and he was around town. And even he was commenting on like, man, everyone knows you. And I'm, I'm in London. I lead this large church and I'd never seen anyone I know hardly. And so, so I think it's far more likely in small towns that you and I would face the kind of temptation the Pharisees faced in Matthew 23, 
or people would begin to adore us for our role, recognize us publicly. So I think we really should watch out when we read that stuff. We shouldn't go, yeah, those, te- those guys were terrible. We should go, boy, that's possible. You know, I got to watch out for that. But, but kind of back to answering your question, um, I think just showing up is, is so much of, of the secret sauce is just showing up. It's just being present. You know, it's when hard, sad things happen, how can you show up and be a blessing? I mean, I encourage, I, I don't know what the kind of equivalent would be in the UK, but, you know, um, you know, the first responder community is a, is a huge opportunity. You know, um, statistically in, in America, more first responders die every year by suicide than die in the line of duty. The, the amount of like trauma and, and PTSD that's, you know, it's built up with these guys and gals is tremendous. And, you know, in a small town, what, what people don't factor in is that you, you might know or be related to the people you're having to respond to. And we've certainly seen that a ton here. You know, I mean, I've responded to suicides and they were guys in our church, you know. And so that like that's a group of people in your community that often get overlooked and underappreciated that you could just you could just engage them. Hey, can I bring you a meal once a month? You know, like that, that's a simple way to like to step, step in there and begin to engage with some of the sad, hard stuff in your, in your commu- community and to let them know you want to be a blessing. You know, so oftentimes churches are only communicating with the city when they need something. We need some permit approval for some building we want to do. So let's really be sweet to the city and let's, you know, kiss up, you know, like instead of a long track record of we're not asking for anything we're, we're trying, like, we want to, we want to be a blessing. Like we want to be a, and so I think just showing up, you know, when hard, sad things happen, what would Jesus do? He would show up, you know, and what does it look like to show up with like the, the hope of Jesus, you know, um, you know, in dark, hard, sad things. Um, and then like beginning to look for areas of like brokenness. I mean, you know, another thing is there's other churches in your town and, and some of them are crushing it. And doing stuff that you don't need to go reinvent the wheel. You know, we, we decided early on, I mean, there's, there's an epic food bank in our town. We don't need to reinvent that. There's some great addiction ministries. We don't have to go reinvent that. We want to get behind the things that are already working. But as time emerged, we started to get a sense of like, hey, there's a hole here. There's a hole there. Maybe we could step into that gap, you know. And so, um, you know, again, that's just, we're, we're trying to say a lot of things in a few minutes, but Th- those would be some of my first thoughts um, is to let let the town know you're there um, to be a blessing. You know, you're not just there to pull off good Sundays. And so and then just having your eyes open, your heart open, look at, looking for opportunities to do that. Mm. Oh, it's really, really good. Donnie, it's been such a privilege to connect with you even briefly. We'll have to get a further conversation another time. Uh, God bless you. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks so much. And um, to you guys, you know, ministering in rural communities um, in the UK and beyond, whoever's listening to this, man, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm in your corner. I'm so for you. Um, man, let's, let's keep doing it. Let's keep making much of Jesus. And um, yeah, hope to see you guys soon. Okay, Uh, what did you think of that? I hope you found some of that helpful. 
Now, in Donnie's book, he talks about several things in part two, how to do ministry in small towns. He talks about understanding your small town, overcoming small town mindsets and how to be a good local. And it's some of those things I just want to share with you briefly for you to consider wherever you are. So firstly, critiquing and thinking about small town mindsets. Small towns do have a particular way of thinking, seeing the world that's different from, say, larger population centres. He says that one of the prevailing mindsets is the mindset, we're from here, you know, insert town name. We're from this place. We are these people. There's a pride of belonging about people in small towns. They don't always want to be associated with the outside world. They're happy to be distinct and cut off. Negatively, we might say that small towns have a bit of a tendency to become parochial, marginal, cut off from everything else. However, there's some massive opportunities attached to this mindset as well. In small towns, contextualization can count for a lot. And so engaging with the hobbies and the interests and the attitudes and thinkings, the passions of the local town gets noticed. And it also means you get to know people and you get plugged into small towns quicker than in other places. It was fascinating, wasn't it, that he shared about Steve Tibbett's comment of coming to his town, that Steve Tibbett leads a large church in London and yet walking down the street wouldn't be known by many people. That's not the same for those of us in small towns. That's the first small town mindset that we're from here. The second one is that nothing big can happen around here. You know, excitement happens outside of the town. I don't know where you're from, but where I live, if you want to go shopping, you've got to leave the town. If you want to find a new exciting restaurant, you leave the town. We go out of town for our amusements. The mindset then that can set in is that, well, nothing big happens here. You know, that lowers the expectations of the town. That's negative, has negative impact on the church. Ah, oh, nothing good's going to happen. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Nothing big can happen here. There's opportunity, however, attached to this, which he says in the book that uh, in small towns, people have rarely seen entrepreneurial leadership and innovation. And so Donnie says that actually he's found a lot of fruit from calling people to lay down their petty dreams and run hard for Jesus, to dream bigger. That's another small town mindset that nothing big happens here. The next is that old is good and new is bad. There's a suspicion in small towns about innovation and newness, which can present a problem. However, the opportunity for those of us who are following Jesus is that a lot of our worldly attitudes towards novelty can get um, in the way sometimes of the gospel. However, in small towns, there's great opportunity to be gained from just doing something consistently and well over a long period of time and eroding that small town mindset. So those are three small town mindsets that Donnie says are common in small towns. Next, we'll consider five pieces of advice on how to be a good local. Here we go then. Five ways that you can be a good local or advice on being a good missionary. Number one, learn to enjoy small talk. Lots of it. I don't know what it's like where you are, but even I noticed that moving from what well, wasn't a city, it was a large town on the south coast, 100,000 people, moving to a small town of just 25,000 people. Even I noticed that people had more time to talk and they were happy to just stop in the street and chat or the, the people in the shops were willing to talk and I'd get to know names and people quicker than I did just 10 miles down the road. It's true. Learn to enjoy small talk and lots of it. That might be challenging for some of you, but shoot the breeze. Don't see small talk as a waste of time. You're building relationship. You're establishing a degree of familiarity and relational capital with other people. 
Number two, shop local as much as possible. This perhaps needs to be stated even more now in the internet age. Oh man, I'm just like everyone else. I wanna buy something, I'll go on Amazon and I'll buy an instant purchase and sometimes it'll be delivered one item at a time. That's bad. <laughs> I feel challenged about that. And I'm hearing this afresh, go and shop local more. I mean, I live around the corner from a convenience store, so I'm often in there getting to know Nick, the guy's name is, who runs the store. What's it like where you live? Do you know the name of the person who runs the local store to you? Do you know their interests? Would you ever be able to invite them or their kids out to the park or to hang out? Small towns, you can do that. Number three, eat local and love local food. This is true, isn't it? Eat local and love local food. This, of course, isn't just a small town thing. Learning to be a local uh, wherever you go, shopping in the same place, maybe, or, or going to the same pubs or restaurants. If I'm going to go out for a drink where I live, I'll always go to the same pub. I'll see Simon, the landlord. Uh, he Actually, his pub's opposite the church that we have. So I know him. I can text him if I'm wanting to get an early morning breakfast with some guys. Um, what's it like where you are? What are the local places that you can go to? Number four, Donnie writes, don't be a jerk. <laughs> which you know you think it's a good piece of advice but his point is don't be a jerk don't be rude to someone don't be short with people because unlike in cities you're going to see those people again often around the town so mind your manners you know Paul writes of qualifications for eldership that they must have a good reputation with outsiders and small towns that is something you cannot escape what's your reputation like with those outside of the church community and then fifthly on how to be a good local be a blessing. Be a blessing. Again, goes without saying, but there will be particular things that you can do in your location. Donnie comments that every time a hurricane hits in their town or a tornado, they shut down their Sunday services and they get out serving the town. He says if a tornado hits, then often he'll call the guys in the church and they'll be the first people on the scene with chainsaws clearing trees. It's not a problem where I live, but what are the local things that you can be known for in your town? So that's five ways that you can be a good local. Learn to enjoy small talk, shop local as much as possible, eat local and love local food, don't be a jerk and be a blessing. And lastly, we're going to come on to a pop quiz asking you some questions to discern how well you know your small town. Okay, here we go. Pop quiz. How well do you know your small town? Number one, what annual festivals or activities take place in your small town that are of importance to the town? And then a related one, are there anything about those annual festivals or activities that you can use to help communicate the gospel? Question number two, what are some of the things that people in your small town fear the most? Are there any things that would be different from, say, people in other towns and cities? Number three, what's the largest event in your small town that brings the most people together? But number four, what's the largest event in your small town that's effective for helping people build relationships? Because let's be honest, at the largest event in your small town, often people just gather and stand side by side, but they're not really there to meet people. But there are places and events that people go to where they are expecting to meet people. What are those events? And what does that say about how we should think about and run events in the church. Number five, does your venue that you meet in as a church communicate the values that you want it to that connect with the people in your small town? So could it be compared, say, to a restaurant or a gathering place for relationships in your small town? So think about where is it that the people in your town meet to build relationships? 
And then does your church look similar in its maybe its decor or color choices? Does it look similar to those places or does it look very different? Does it look more like a formal place, a place where you go for business or for work, but not necessarily for relationships? Something to think about. Number six, are you using the fact that in small towns, everyone knows everyone? Are you using that to your advantage? And what would that look like? And number seven, lastly, what does the name of your church communicate to people in your small town? Is the name of it contextually relevant? So for Donnie, his church is called One Harbour Church because they're in a harbour. Is there a way that you can think about the name of your church that would connect with people and celebrate something about the town that you're in? So those are seven questions for you to consider about how well you know your small town. Maybe discuss them with people in your group or your leadership team. Well, that's it for today. A shorter episode than usual. Hopefully to get us just thinking about small towns. And then in time in the future, we'll get Donnie back on for a fuller length conversation about pastoring small towns. God bless you. And we'll be back soon for more conversations to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. Stay well. When you break up.